0: Hey, good morning. good morning. All right. If you're a talk notes person, you can grab those talk notes, pull them out of your program or pull them up online. If you're not a talk notes person, just I don't know. Don't use them. You don't have to. We aren't going to force you to. So great to see everybody. Hey, again, happy Mother's Day. If you tuned in a little later or walked in a little later, my name is Ryan, the lead pastor here. If you're a guest this morning or not a guest and we've never had the opportunity to have coffee or you have some questions or you want to chat about something, I'd love to meet with you anytime. My number's right there in the um, program and online and just send me a text message and we'll set that up. It's one of my favorite things to do to get to know folks. So thanks to those of you that have done that. But if you'd like to, just send me a text message. That'd be fun to do. All right, so I'm not going to keep you here for an hour like last week, okay? So 50 minutes tops, all right? Hang in there. No. Okay, listen, let me ask you a question. Think about it in your mind for a second. What are some things in your life that you've been told to enjoy, but to enjoy from a distance? All right. what are some things that you've been told? So we moved out here a few years ago, two, almost three years ago now, and we were told to enjoy the elk from a distance. We're told, enjoy, go up, enjoy the elk, but don't get out of your vehicle, right? Enjoy elk from a distance, right? enjoy We should enjoy sharks from a distance, right? that's We should give some space, any kind of wild animal. It's always a good idea. Just give a little buffer there, right? Um, I think the Grand Canyon is something that should be enjoyed from a distance, right? We don't don't want to walk up to the edge of the Grand Canyon. You want to just kind of enjoy it from a distance, right? People with COVID, we want to enjoy them from a distance, right? Isn't that... I've had this like I have this sore throat I can't get rid of. I feel like every person I start to talk to, I have to be like, I don't have COVID. It's just a sore throat I can't get rid of, you know. And you just you just see them like a, take a step back, like I get it. Just keep your distance, right? Uh, our kids are driving, right? Your kid, you, you're constantly telling them keep a safe distance, right? Keep a safe distance. What's interesting is that when somebody's hurting in our lives, it's almost as if we've been programmed. To keep a safe distance, right? We experience somebody at work in our neighborhood who's struggling, they start to like tell us about what's going on, we get uncomfortable, and we just kind of have this tendency if we're, I think if we're honest with ourselves, that it's just easier to just give ourselves a little bit of distance from from pain, to give ourselves a little bit of distance from hurt. I think we do this a lot of times when we can't understand why or how right? We, we keep a safe distance. When we can't understand why a person would do something, why would they do that to themselves? Why would they experience that? Why would they get caught up in that? Why would they think like that? How could they do that, right? And we have these scripts that go on in our minds, and we just kind of pull ourselves away from people. Like, we do this in religion all the time. Like, how could somebody believe that, and so we kind of pull away from a person who maybe has a different understanding of the divine or the universe or, the, or God or grace or love. And rather than moving towards that, we kind of get uh, afraid. And when we're afraid of the other, when we're afraid of that, we just kind of keep our safe distance. But here's the thing, right? We're all about hope. We're all about keeping hope alive. And one thing I know is that you cannot give hope from a distance. It just doesn't work that way. And I need some help to help you understand this principle: Can I get a couple of volunteers? OK, Autumn will, autumn will come up and help me out. Everybody give autumn. And I, OK, Kimberly, you can come on up as well. All right, so Kimberly and Olive are going to come up, and, and we're going to figure out how to do this with an interpreter. I don't know, um, but we'll figure it out. So I have, I have a couple of things here. All right I've got a bucket of water, and I don't have a towel, but I have a bucket of water. Um, Kimberly, I'm going to give you this glass. That glass is empty. All right? And, and that glass is going to represent our lives at some point in time where we feel hopeless, right? We're empty. Now, this is a bucket of water. The water represents hope. And let's just imagine autumn is full of hope. Now, no, 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 no. Come, Come over here. You stay right there, okay? Now, autumn's full of hope. She wants to fill her cup up with hope. Now, if Autumn were to say, hey, just (laughs) (laughs) on the count of three, no, we're not going to do it. Right. So you get the point, right? Like From a distance, Autumn could throw all that water, right? But here's the thing. When we're so far away, filled with hope, she can have all the best intentions. I just want to encourage her. So she sends a cheesy scripture verse via Facebook without any empathy, without any understanding of what Kimberly's going through, right? Just like, no temptation to see she does not come to man. Like, what? Right? So she could, so she could then all of a sudden, like, from a distance, throw that, right? But, but there's this huge gap, and she might get a little bit of hope in her cup. But what's going to happen? She's going to make a mess, right? Now, she could get close, right? Come over here and get real close, Right? And she could actually pour from the bucket into the cup. Now, hold on, don't do it just yet. Now, she could do that, right? And this is, this is safer, totally safer. But it's still somebody filled with joy, hope, life is going well, couldn't be better. And then you have a person in a scenario or circumstance, maybe she's walking through grief, really difficult. And so she's going to try and pour. This is a big bucket of water, little cup that's fragile. She's going It's still going to spill over, right? The best way for hope is to just get close enough... And then for the person who's desiring it to dip in, right? And get the hope that way, right? Because if, if we're back here, if you're back over to here, come all the far away, and we were to just throw it, right? <laughs> we're going to put water everywhere, just make a huge mess of our lives. And we do that all the time, especially in Christianity, In this idea that, like, I'll just send the tweet, the text, I'll I'll just, like, I'll just send a card, and those are not bad things, but they're from such a distance that we don't, we aren't close enough to understand what their experience is, what they're going through, we just kind of end up making a mess. Give Kimberly and Autumn a great big hand for their help. And we're going to make that huge mess, right, because we don't understand their experiences. We don't really understand their needs. We don't know what a person needs to experience and feel hope. We're just going to assume that they will experience hope the same way we would, right? But when we're so far away in that distance, we can't understand the pain. I want to look very quickly at a story in the Bible uh, about a woman who understood that you can't give hope from a distance. So I want to look real quickly at this story of Ruth, which is in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. And the story of Ruth, it says in chapter 1, takes place at the time of the judges. So this was before there was a king, nomadic people. God would raise up these judges that would kind of rule. And at that point in time, there was a famine. And there was a woman named Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, and they had two sons. And this family, because of a famine that had entered the land, they left their home and they went to an area called Moab. And they settled there. And while they were there, the two sons got married, married two women, a a woman named Ruth and a woman named uh, um, uh, Orpah. And so you have this family, but what happens is Elimelech dies. And so Naomi is now a widow, and she's left with her two daughter-in-laws and her two sons. And then the story tells us that even more tragedy strikes, and both sons die. And so now we have these three women without any, in a very patriarchal society, without any family, without any source of care, and their world has imploded. So you have Naomi, the mother, and Orpah and Ruth, the two daughters-in-laws. And so now they're traveling and they're going on their way back to Naomi's homeland. They're headed back to Judah. They have been in Moab and now they're going back because this is where Naomi feels like her hope is. And this is what it says. It says, On the road, on the way back to the land of Judah, Naomi said to her two daughters in law, Go back, each of you to your mother's house, go back, and may the Lord show you the same kindness as you've shown me, as you've shown to the deceased and to me. May the Lord guide each of you to find a husband and a home in which you will be at rest. And then she kissed them goodbye. Imagine all the pain in that moment. And what is Naomi doing? Naomi is doing something that so many of us do. We're just letting our pride get in the way because Naomi doesn't want to be a burden. She's like, I'm going to be fine. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to be fine. Go, leave. It's fine. She doesn't want to be a burden. We do that in our own space of hopelessness. We do it in our own moments where we're overwhelmed. We don't know what to do. We don't want to like, heap that on people. And so we kind of push people away. We create that distance. But the story says that they both wept aloud and they were crying and they said, no, we'll go back with you to your people. I love the scene, right? You have Orpah and Ruth. They felt, they had this emotional response to Naomi's pain. It was as if it was their own pain. They had this shared experience and in the tears and in the crying and in the saying, we'll go with you, Naomi replies, no, go back, go back, my daughters. Why come with me? Why would you come with me? I don't have any other sons in my womb. I have no other sons in my womb that they would become your husbands. Go, my daughters, for I'm too old to marry again. She's at a space of hopelessness in her life. She says, even if I had such hope, or if tonight I had a husband and were to bear sons, would you wait for them and deprive yourselves of husbands until those sons grew up? No, my daughters, my lot is too bitter. It's too bitter for you because the Lord has extended his hand against me. It's a really powerful statement. The Lord has extended his hand against me. I don't know, maybe you're in that space where you just feel like God, the universe, whatever, has just extended the hand against you. You see, Naomi had lost all hope. She couldn't see how there could be ever a future. She couldn't see how there was a way out. She felt like she was just gonna drag them down. And she says, I'm too old. My path ahead is too much to ask of you. And in that moment, they began weeping aloud again, the scripture says. It says the Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, and she went on her way. But Ruth clung to Naomi. See now, Naomi said to Ruth, your sister-in-law, she's gone back to her people and her God. Go back after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not press me to go back and abandon you. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there be buried. And may the Lord do thus to me and more, if even death separates me from you. Woo! That's commitment. Like, she's in the most vulnerable place a human being could probably be at the time. I mean, she's abandoning her own ancestral gods, She's saying, hey, whatever. I'll go serve your gods. That's fine. I'm going to go with you. You're not going to be alone uh, in this by yourself. You're not going to be vulnerable. We'll get through this together. She sticks with it. And so what I don't want you to miss is something really powerful here is that Ruth, this beautiful story of Ruth, like she knew the power of proximity when it came to hope. She knew that the only way that Naomi would survive this, the only way that Naomi would feel a sense of hope is that she just walked with her on that journey back to Judah together. There's power in proximity. There's power in closeness. And in our everyday normal lives, as we bump up against the hopelessness in our world, when we ourselves experience that hopelessness, there's things that we can learn about getting proximate to people's pain if we're gonna keep hope alive. And so let me first talk to those of you that maybe you resonate a little bit right now with Naomi. Like in your life, there's just this cloud of hopelessness. There's this feeling that life can't go on. There's this sense that you have no future. You doubt there is a future. I want to encourage you to do something that maybe you've never thought of before. And maybe it seems weird, but I want to encourage you to maybe as a first step is just to bring that pain, bring that hopelessness into the proximity of Emmanuel God with us and that can feel really theoretical and that can feel very strange to pause and think can I actually bring my hurt and my pain to God whatever however we might think about God is that real well that the story of scripture the story of Jesus seems to tell us that we're invited to bring our pain we're invited to bring our hurt into a relationship with a loving God and if God is love, right, if God is love, there's something about this invitation of Jesus that says you can experience that love in a healing way that is a great mystery. There's this beautiful story in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 tells us this story that there's a woman who is, has had this bleeding disorder for 12 years. And there's this large crowd that has like gathered around Jesus, and it actually says in the text that a large crowd had started following and they were shoving against him. And maybe in your life there's been some things that have shoved up against your idea of God. Like maybe there's been some really bad, harmful, abusive experiences that have shoved up against this idea of Jesus. You, you grew up in an environment, you, you, you heard these things, but then you heard these things about a God that loved you, but then there was always this disconnect because you felt like there were a lot of rules and a lot of legalism, and then you experienced a lot of control or maybe you just didn't grow up in any environment, so the idea of, of God, like just the world has butted up against it. Oh, God doesn't exist. God's not real. And so whatever it might be, there's, this always, there's always a crowd around Jesus, metaphorically. <laughs> right? There's always baggage around Jesus. There's always baggage around God. But what's so beautiful about this story, which I think the point of the story is parabolic, we're given this story so that we can learn it for our own lives. This woman, she recognizes that I just i just think if i can touch jesus if i can just get to the real authentic jesus then i'll be healed the scripture says she thought if i could just touch the hem of his garment if i could just get close enough and so she presses through the crowd and she reaches out and she touches jesus's garment not even jesus touches the garment which was a complete i mean we could go into how terrible this was like She's unclean. She's touching a man in this culture, but she doesn't care. She's like, I gotta get past the crowd, past the distractions, and I'm gonna reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And she touched it, and the text says that she was cured immediately. And then Jesus stops in the middle of this crowd. All the all the crowd pressing, and he's like, Whoa! Who touched me? And the disciples are like, You're off your rocker, Jesus. Like everybody's pressing in, they're crowded against you. What are you talking about? He says, No, no, no. I felt power leave felt power leave me and the woman says I I touched you Jesus and they have this amazing encounter and this is what he says he says daughter notice he calls her daughter that's good he says your trust has cured you go in peace and farewell to your illness daughter your trust is cured. And see there's this if trust is faith that if I can just get close enough to Jesus then there can be a cure Sometimes a cure doesn't mean healing, by the way. Sometimes we can be cured by community, a space that will be with us and and, and, and allow us to to come together. Where I once was excluded, but now I'm included. And sometimes our circumstances, maybe there is an, an actual illness. That illness doesn't ever change. There's no healing, but there can be a cure. There can be a space where all of a sudden we have hope that that God is present in the midst of the suffering. That there's hope beyond this life. There's hope beyond that pain. And that's the beauty of that story. That story wants to remind us that just get close to Jesus. Just get close to Jesus. Get close to, to what Jesus offers. The idea of Jesus. However you want to think about it. But you're given this opportunity to just open your heart up and in faith experience that power. Still, that's the point of the resurrection. The point of the resurrection isn't to kind of like get into arguments about physical or not. physical no, The point of the resurrection is to say, this is still available to us today. Like there still is this space where if I can in faith just believe enough, if I can in faith believe, then I can experience that presence. There's this interesting passage in the book of Revelation, and I really try to avoid the book of Revelation as much as possible in my life because um, it's crazy, uh, there's a reason why it took centuries before they actually put it in the canon. I would have sided with the people to say, let's leave this one out. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's still a hot debate amongst many of us, right? So, but there's this passage that I think is beautiful, and, and, and it says that the one who was behind all of creation is standing at a door and knocking, and if anyone would hear my voice and open the door, then I'll enter their house and we'll dine together. Dining was a, one of the most beautiful things you could do in the Mediterranean world, like sharing a meal together. And we're given this beautiful kind of metaphor that the God of the universe that's behind everything, that's too great of a mystery for us to understand, yet somehow is still knocking at our, at our life's door and saying, if you'll, just, if you'll just open that door up for me, then we'll, we'll share a meal together. So if you're in that space of hopelessness, I want to encourage you to, to take a risk and open your heart, open your life up to the idea that perhaps, that perhaps Jesus is alive, that, that perhaps hope can be found in a God that is love, that's represented in a community like Crossroads Church. And so for Crossroads Church, how can we be the proximity of this God that we call Emmanuel? We say that at Christmas time, God with us, this God that is proximate, that, that flows and is part of all of our existence. And in this God, we live and move and have our being present in all things. And so I want to encourage you as individuals and even us as a church that we would get proximate. We'd be the hands and feet of Jesus that, that as the crowd presses around, right, we would get proximate by asking meaningful questions. Jesus asked a good question. Who touched me? <laughs> like, who touched me? Like, who around is in need of hope? Who around is in need of that power, that grace? In your own life, when you see somebody hurting, get close enough, and before you just start taking that bucket of hope, (coughs) you know, just throwing it on them and saying, you just need more of Jesus, right? You just need to read your Bible more. You just need to pray a little bit more. You just need to break up with him. You just need to break up. Like, we start giving all the advice, all that nonsense, like, just, and just listen. Ask meaningful questions. One of the best questions that you could ever ask somebody is, hey, tell me about what has happened to you. We like to think that people do things like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. But I wonder if we'll dig in and find out what has happened to people, the stories in their lives, that that doesn't open up the door for hope to come in and for some understanding. And you have to remember, we as a church have to remember as both the individuals, the the scattered church that goes out, and as the gathered church that corporately brings hope, we have to remember that getting proximate will always take us past our comfort zone. It always will take you past your comfort zone. I can't imagine that this woman, in the story of Jesus, felt comfortable pressing through that crowd. But she got proximate. I can't imagine that Ruth was super excited about leaving her country, her gods, everything that she knew, to get proximate. And so we have to be willing to get out of our comfort zone. And we have to remember that proximity honors the experience of others. That real, genuine proximity says, I'm going to honor your truth. I'm not here to judge it. I'm not even here to understand it. I think one of the, the big flaws that we have in our, in our opportunities to bring hope and get proximate is that we have to think that I somehow have to understand you, that I somehow have to understand your experiences, that I have to understand your, your desires, I have to understand your personhood, I have to understand your gender identity, I have to understand your sexuality. I don't have to understand it. I'm not going to understand it. That's a huge barrier to bringing hope. That's a huge barrier to loving people. If I have to understand people to love people, I wouldn't know that I even love my wife. <laughs> I'm confident she wouldn't love me if she had to understand me. Right? Now, there's nothing wrong with seeking to understand, but at some point, I just have to get that there are going to be experiences in this life that people go through that I will never understand. And what I have to do is set my, my need for understanding to the side and bring in their need for love and inclusion and grace and hope. And that's where the power comes, right? So we honor those experiences, we honor their loss, we honor what they've gone through. We don't dismiss it, we don't discount it because maybe we wouldn't experience it that way. And when we do this, when we live in proximity to the pain in this world, we say, I'm gonna keep hope alive by getting close enough that it's it's painful, it's not in my comfort zone. Proximity will do something powerful. Proximity will unlock empathy. I don't know if you know it or not, but we don't live in a super empathetic world, right? We live in a world that wants to push, keep people away. read this great article this this week that gave three, there were three components of empathy. There's a cognitive, an emotional, and a compassionate component, right? So this, this cognitive empathy, right? This cognitive empathy is just when we know. It's simply knowing the other person what they feel. We get it. It's, it's oftentimes called perspective taking. Like I'm just going to get in their shoes and I'm going to try and understand their world, right? That's great. And I think Ruth and Orpah, they felt this for Naomi because they had become widows themselves and they knew that Naomi, Naomi felt that for Ruth and Orpah, they could understand that. And then there's this next phase in empathy called emotional empathy. And emotional empathy is when you actually feel physically along with that other person. It's as if their emotions were contagious, it's, it's as if they're pain, like you experience inside of your own personhood. You're close enough. You might not even fully understand it, but you can just know the pain. And you, you, And, and I see, we see this with Ruth and Orpah and Naomi. They're all standing together. They're crying. They're emotional, right? They sense it. But then there's compassionate empathy. And compassionate empathy is, is not only when we understand the person's predicament, not only when we feel for them emotionally, but when we're spontaneously moved to help, when we actually take action if it's needed. And that's the story of Ruth, right? Ruth says, I'm going with you. She, she even, even over and against Orpah, she says, no, I'm gonna stick, I'm coming with you. She takes action, she saw that there was the opportunity. And when we dig into that kind of empathy, when we take action, when we connect with one another, when we, when we get close enough, what happens is empathy does create these beautiful connections in an extremely divided world that we live in. We live in a world that wants to be just binary. We live in a world that wants to polarize everything. But empathy says, I might not get why you would vote for that person. I'm not sure why you would claim that political party. I'm not sure why you would go to that church. I'm not sure why you'd want to work for that person. I'm not sure those things, but I'm going to get close enough to understand. I'm going to get close enough to feel I'm going to just be present and and if you want some hope that I have I'm just going to hold my bucket out and just be there I'm going to be there so as we wrap up today one of the big questions I always ask is what's God inviting you into do me a favor grab that connect card there's some next steps some some invitations on the back of that connect card if you're online you can see it there and the first one is just to intentionally try to get proximate with God like maybe in your life you just feel very distant from God And in your heart, I just want to encourage you to to just take a moment and pause and say, God, I, I want to be with you. I want to be present with you. I don't understand this whole God thing. I don't know if you have ears to hear, but here I am. And open your heart. See, there is something powerful about the choice to live in who you are, right? To live in the image of God that you bear, to in faith say, I am loved as Kimberly said, I am forgiven. These are just realities that have nothing to do with with anything you've done or said. That's what grace is. It's just so beautiful. We can't we can't really comprehend it. We always want to attach, um, we always want to attach a little clause to grace. <laughs> well, as soon as you pray the right prayer, you know, as soon as you ask for it, as soon as you open the present, it's yours, right? All these things, right? But it's just so good. And I believe that's the ultimate reality in our world, that there is goodness that's connecting all of us. And if we can start to live in that flow. And so maybe today's just a decision, like I'm gonna gonna give a relationship with God a chance. I hope you'll do that here. I think we have a a great environment that it gives space for questions and space to explore, that your relationship with God can look different than somebody else's, that's okay. I don't think God's super petty. (laughs) I think God's always happy when we're trying to be intentional about our spiritual lives. There's a guy uh, named Brian Stevenson who wrote a book called Just Mercy, and he's gone and given lots of talks, and he talks about the power of proximity. Uh, he, he went and spoke to a group of CEOs on this topic uh, called The Power of Proximity. If you'd be interested in watching that, it's a great talk. He speaks brilliantly about this far better than I do. Um, just check that box, and I'll send you an email with the link, and you can just watch it. I think it's like 20 minutes. It's a great one. And maybe this morning, like, maybe you've kind of been in a space where you have had cognitive empathy with somebody, and you've even had emotional empathy, like you've, you've experienced and felt it, but you've never been moved to action. Maybe there's just this invitation by God to, to move into that space of compassionate empathy. That's what Jesus modeled for us. I think that Jesus accepted and lived out this compassionate empathy. It caused him to action, right? Caused him to give his life. For us so that we might understand what love is, right? It's powerful. So those are some possible next steps, things that God might be inviting you into today. So will you do me a favor? We're not having a closing song today. We just want to give you your blessing and get you out of here to enjoy Mother's Day this morning. And uh, you can take that Connect card, your offering envelope, drop it in the orange kiosk on your way out. But will you stand with me this morning as we just kind of Uh, receive a blessing to go out to enjoy the rest of Mother's Day, to live in the goodness of God, as we sang about today, to experience and to have a hope-filled heart for what is the the great things of God, as we sang in that first song. All right, so just do me a favor. Open up your hands. They're going to give me the blessing here. I don't have it memorized. So they're going to put that on the back screen for us here in just a second. So do me a favor. Uh, Close your eyes. Take a nice deep breath. The busyness of today, of this week, let it just pause for just a moment. And may the compassionate empathy of God take hold of your heart in new ways this week. And may you find the courage to get proximate to the pain around you at work or school or in your neighborhood. And when you find yourself rubbing shoulders with hopelessness, may you ask meaningful questions. May you honor that person's pain and find yourself moved to compassionate empathy. And for those who feel a distance between themselves and God today, Perhaps Jesus has been crowded with shame or doubt. Perhaps your heart is crowded with religious hurt that has pushed you away or has created a barrier to this beautiful message of Jesus. Perhaps your heart is crowded with grief and anger. Well, amidst the noise of the crowd, may you hear that real small knock at the door of your life. And may you hear that gentle whisper of love and grace and truth. And may you find the faith to open the door and experience radical divine love. And now may we as Crossroads Church be a community that's committed to being proximate with the hurting and wounded in our world so that the hope of Jesus might flow through our hearts, our minds, and our hands. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Make sure you stop by the photo booth, get a photo, enjoy the day everybody.